Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Hello, hello everyone. Happy New Year to those of you that are just now listening to this episode during the New Year. I have um, a fun episode. I think it's, um, it's an interesting episode for me because, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of like the mindset type work that I wish that I had received when I was an undergrad and grad student. The topic for today is on why and how to invest in yourself. So um, I know a lot of people talk about investing and when they talk about investing, they're talking about like literally investing your money in retirement accounts to make sure that you're gonna be okay as you age, you're gonna be able to take care of yourself. But there's also the concept of investing in yourself, um, which for me means doing things for you for your own growth, uh, for working towards your own goals rather than doing things for others. It means putting time, energy, and money towards the things that you want to accomplish and get out of life. It means reminding yourself that you are worth it because it can be hard to focus on yourself, to take time out just for you. And um, I think sometimes we forget that when you're in college, when you're in grad school, technically you are making an investment, a financial investment, because as a college student, you are paying for tuition. College is a financial investment in that you are quite literally paying the university tuition, thousands of dollars every year to be there. And that could be via scholarships. It could be via fellowships, it could be through loans, um, it could be through like literally paying or your parents paying tuition for you. And, um, you know, as a, as a low income student, I don't think I thought about that that much that, that I was literally paying the university money to be there. And even though I had to take out loans, I signed paperwork didn't read the fine print um, and kind of just forgot about it and thought, well, I'll worry about it when I'm older. I'll worry about it when I'm older. And a lot of things I kept thinking, I'll worry about it when I'm, when I'm older, when I have to. But I want to remind you that you are technically paying for your education and that is a kind of investment. Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't quite pay off in the way that you intend to. Sometimes you go for one degree and one type of job and you don't end up doing that thing. Um, but nonetheless, it's a kind of investment. So um, because of that, I, I definitely think that there's a lot that you can and should take advantage of while you are a student, whether you're an undergrad or grad student, you should definitely take advantage of all the resources that the university has to offer for you. Um, whether that's receiving support from femtors, professors, librarians, staff, 
friends, even strangers, if you reach out to them and they happen to be nice enough to help you, there's so much support out there to help you reach your goals. But I think sometimes we forget that there's actually, or we just don't know that there's a whole world out there of professionals who have a great deal of experience doing work that will help you pursue and gain the growth that you want. Um, they are individuals, um, and I'm specifically thinking about people like therapists, people like coaches and consultants. They're the folks that are going to be there for you, whether you're in college, in between college and grad school, in grad school, after grad school, and for as long as you continue to develop your career. There are folks out there who this is their job to help support you with your personal and professional growth. Now, I didn't know about this world. I didn't know about this world really until the later years of grad school when I first started to make explicit and intentional financial investments in myself and my career. And I wish I, I knew a, a little bit more about it because even though I was always a struggling student, always low income, I, uh, you know, when you really value and care about something, you are willing to put in the time and energy to save up, hustle, to find a way to make it work. And I did that. So I'll talk a little bit more about that. But before I do that, I want to talk about coaching in particular, because I consider myself an academic coach, and I think it's important to have an episode where I talk about what coaching is, how, what different types of coaching are available, just give a couple of examples, and then um, talk about the difference between coaching and femtoring, because I know a lot of times I use those terms interchangeably, but they are different. So let's talk about the different types of coaching. So Here's some examples of different types of coaches. There are coaches for anything, <laughs> anything you could consider, uh, something that you want to learn. There's a coach for it all. But um, in my world, I come across um, most often career coaches. Um, sometimes they're career, sometimes they're academic coaches, writing coaches. Uh, and life coaches. So career coaches are folks that typically provide support um, with you, you know, getting your first job, switching careers, landing a next job, pursuing your own professional advancement, negotiating um, your, your packages when you're getting a new job or when you're trying to negotiate for um, getting some sort of um, promotion. So career, career coaches are that, they, you know, they help you, they support you in developing your career. They might review your resumes, they might provide you with um, support with interviews, they'll look over cover letters, answer any questions that you have through the process. So that's what career coaches do. Now, writing coaches are, you know, sometimes they're writing coaches, sometimes they're editors. So writing coaches actually coach you in the writing process. So they actually teach you the strategies to become a better writer. They don't just review your writing, give you line edits and 
tell you what's wrong and ask you to fix it. A writing coach will actually kind of work through the mental aspect of it too. So teach you strategies to kind of figure out what are common obstacles that you face in your writing challenges, teach you strategies to overcome them and like work with you, actually talk it out and, and help you strengthen your relationship with writing and in turn become a better writer. So writing coaching, they might provide um, the coaching, like the one-on-one -on -one kind of talking, addressing, looking over writing together. They might be um, reviewing work you're writing on their own time through developmental edits, uh, through line edits. And I might be going through like heavy kind of revisions with you, or they might just be going over it, you know, for kind of proofreading because it's close to a final draft. Um, they might be teaching you the mechanics of writing. You know, maybe you never took a formal uh, writing course and you're struggling with certain aspects of your writing, grammar, syntax, you name it, um, that they can teach you with that or they can teach you all about that. And then there's also life coaches. And I feel like that industry is booming so much right now. And they're kind of like the jack of all trades when it comes to coaching. But really, ultimately, at the end of the day, they focus on mindset work. And so they help you identify common thoughts and limiting beliefs. They may help you with your own goal setting. They'll help hold you accountable. Um, but really, they're, they're there to assist you in identifying what you really want and figuring out the obstacles and helping you kind of overcome those obstacles and ultimately reach your goals. So career coaches, writing coaches, life coaches, all kinds of coaches out there. And uh, one thing that I'm learning as I've been surrounding myself with more individuals who I look up to, who I consider successful in their own way, not just necessarily successful in their careers because of their title or because of how much money they make, but successful also in like curating a very a life that they really love, uh, you know, like curating a life full of intention, which is kind of the journey that I'm on right now. Those folks have achieved big life goals because of a combination of the support that they've received. So it could be through therapists, through a life coach, a business coach, through femtors, through mentors. They have had people along the way helping them out. And so I just want to remind you that no matter what, no matter what journey you're on, no matter what career you want, you can't do this alone. You really can't. And, um, you know, consider yourself very lucky if you have lifelong mentors and mentors who are willing to help you out no matter what, um, whether you're a student or beyond that, that is awesome. But I also want to remind you that there are also other people out there who do this for a living and would love to help you out just as much. So just keep that in mind. So now that I talked about differences in, in different types of coaches, I also want to talk about the differences between coaching and femtoring or mentoring. So I spent many, many years working um, as a mentor to students and also kind of informally mentoring a bunch of, mentoring, femtoring a bunch of students. This has been 
11 years now. So going on 11 years that I've been doing this. And so as a mentor, I am someone who is assisting and helping people who are on similar paths as I was. So I have walked in their shoes. I can provide them with guidance based on my experience. And I can give them very specific, clear guidelines on what to do to get from point A to point B, because I've been there and I've done that. So mentoring is someone who has walked in your shoes. A coach, on the other hand, has not necessarily walked in your shoes. Not necessarily, not per se, but they have enough experience and expertise and knowledge that they can help ask you, you know, guiding questions and help you ultimately reach your goals. So identify common obstacles and help you reach your goals or provide techniques, strategies, tools to help you reach your goals. So those are the big differences. Someone who has walked in your shoes versus someone who hasn't necessarily. And instead of them having all the answers, they'll help you, they're helping you uncover your own answers. So that's why I consider myself an academic coach rather than a femtor mentor, because I don't want to make the assumption that I've been in someone's shoes, especially because I haven't, you know, we're all so, so different. In some cases, yes, like there, I, there's just this click when I meet someone, I just can't help it. We relate in so many ways and then they're a FMT forever. Um, I love to check in, reach out, you know, when they come back, check in, give me updates. I love that. But with other folks, you know, it's more of a professional relationship. I help them get from point A to point B. Um, they get the results that they want. They're really happy. And, you know, I'm still just as happy to hear back from them if they do check back in. Um, but I don't consider myself necessarily a femtor to everyone or a coach to everyone. It just depends on the relationship that I have with each individual. But I wanted you to kind of think about that, about the, the differences between mentoring, femtoring, and coaching. Now, I wanted to go back to what I mentioned earlier about my experience hiring coaches and editors because it was such a big deal for me at the time. It was such a big investment. So the first time I decided that I wanted to hire someone to provide me with support was when I was finishing up my dissertation. So near the end of my grad school years, I was working on my dissertation. I had close to a full draft and I needed someone to provide editing, to look it over one more time, help me with line edits and help me with formatting and any formatting issues. And so I hired someone to do like one kind of draft of reviewing it for line edits, not like heavy revisions, just line edits. And they had one flat fee for the whole dissertation. And I remember technically this was a more of one of the more affordable editors out there. It was such a huge investment. It was like the most money I had ever spent on myself in my life <laughs> on anything. <laughs> and, um, and then when she did the work, provided the work, it was fine. It was helpful. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I just did that. And one, like, it was definitely worth it because it saved me hours upon hours of time that I would have had to do in rereading and editing and probably not finding all the mistakes because 
I'm sure you can relate when you read your own writing versus reading someone else's writing. It's a lot easier to find someone else's mistakes than your own. Uh, it's almost like we become blind to our, our own errors. Uh, so she saved me a ton of time. Uh, she probably did the work in a lot less time than I would have. And, um, and that was it. Like it was a one and done and I was happy with it. And I was like, okay, I guess like, if I work hard, save enough money, I, you know, if I ever need support, I can reach out again. And so that's kind of what happened when I got on the job market. So I was on the job market for two years. And by job market, I mean the tenure track job market. At the time, I still thought I was going to become a professor, um, an R1 research professor at that. And um, I was going on the job market and I was getting support, advice, feedback from, you know, from mentors, from my advisor. But yet I still, I felt like I needed extra support and I didn't want to bother people. I, I, I just didn't like being that like needy person. I was already meeting with my advisor practically once a week or every other week. So I was already taking up enough of their time. So I decided to hire a career coach. And uh, this is a career coach who specialized in helping academics get tenure track jobs. And so I hired this individual to look over my cover letter, my CV, you know, my application materials, essentially. So one of them for one of the positions I was applying to. And it was my, yeah, it was, that was my first time hiring someone to help me with, with job materials. I remember, you know, reaching out for a consultation, asking if they had a sliding scale and they did have a sliding scale. And even the sliding scale was kind of high for me. I was like, oh, this is a bit much, but, but I needed that help. So, um, you know, I, I went with the sliding scale with that and I sent in my documents. I received the feedback. I worked on revisions. It was a two um, time review. So you know, they, I sent my materials, they gave me feedback, I sent it again a second time, then they gave me a second set of feedback, and, and that was it for my materials, and, um, and then after it was done, I remember thinking, one, it wasn't as much feedback as I thought I was going to receive, and two, even though it wasn't as much feedback, after I worked on all the revisions and the edits, I loved the way that my materials were like I just I was very pleased I was like okay this is like this is good I feel confident with my materials my docs has been vetted by my mentor my mentors my advisors and a career coach and um, and I went on the job market and as you can tell I didn't end up getting a job but I I did land interviews so I did get shortlisted and a lot and that a lot of times you get shortlisted based on your materials so there you go. I was, I was satisfied with the service that, that I received. And that was when I realized, wow, there's this whole world out there, people that do this, like, wow. And they charge quite a bit of money. And at the time I thought, oh my gosh, it's so much money. They must make so much money. But I didn't know about the world of small businesses and high taxation rates and just like the limited amount of people you can work with one-on-one. -on -one. And yeah, in reality, like you don't always make a lot of money coaching, but I just, I, I just thought, wow, like this is, this is, this is a world that I had never heard of. 
So there was actually a third time that I worked with someone. And this was when I decided I'm leaving the tennis track job market. I'm going to switch careers. I'm going to start to apply for jobs in student affairs, academic affairs. And I didn't really know what I was doing. So I wanted to hire someone who had experience with this, who had hired people, had been you know, a director and hired full-time people and had seen lots of applications. I wanted them to take a look at my materials, take a look at a sample job ad, and also kind of provide career coaching. Like, is this even the right type of job for me? Um, so that was really helpful because that wasn't just document review. That was actual coaching. Like that was actually having a, an hour long conversation with someone about what are my strengths? What are my values? Um, what are my goals? How much money do I want to make? Where do I want to live? What percentage of my time do I want to be spending doing an admin work? What percentage of my time do I want to be doing managing people or like coming up with big ideas and, you know, implementing changes and programs, et cetera, et cetera. So that was super helpful because I had never had someone sit me down and talk about that. And then from there, I was able to then create parameters that would then help me to quickly be able to say yes or no to a job ad, whether it was, it was worth my time. And that's how I found, you know, the McNair job that I had. That's how um, I found other things that I applied to that was equally as excited about. So it was a really, really helpful session. And again, it was uh, formative for me because it, it, it shaped me. In the back of my head, I had this, this knowledge of like, I could actually, I could probably do this. Like if I get enough experience, um, I could probably help others in this way. I can coach them and help them based on what I've learned. So those were three experiences that I had. Um, all of them were near the end of my college years. I mean, sorry, college, grad school years. And, um, and they were really helpful and it was, again, such a big deal. I want to kind of provide context too. So at the time, I had had my son. I was the primary breadwinner in my family. My partner was struggling to get a job. He was finishing up his online MBA and helping me with, with caregiving after my son. So I was working three jobs on top of having a fellowship just to make ends meet. I remember we were living on $50 a week for groceries. Um, I was on WIC. I was just trying to get as much support as I could to keep the lights on, like quite literally keep the lights on. We were struggling at points I had to use my credit card. I mean, I only just got out of credit card debt last year. I mean, we were struggling and yet I saved up my pennies. <laughs> for this investment to work with these professionals. And I didn't regret it. Each experience was really kind of eye-opening, illuminating. I not only got what I asked for, but I learned a lot more about this world that I had no idea existed. And about even like step-by-step -step processes of how do you do this? How do you work with people? What kind of information do you provide? How do you do a consult? All those things, super duper helpful. Um, but it was such a big deal at the time. And once I actually did it once, I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. And then I was able to save up and do it again. 
And to this day, I'll be honest, I still struggle with investing financially in myself. It's, it's a lot. You know, when you have other people to look after, other people to, to worry about, other people who are financially dependent on you, it can be hard to put time and energy for yourself but it definitely pays off in the end. And so I remind myself that every time that I, you know, learn a new skill, sign up for a new coach, you know, or, uh, or a new program or anything that's like teaching me a new skill, reach out to folks, you know, whether it's reaching out for informational interviews or for one hour of the, their time and pay them for their time, um, it's, it's always been worthwhile. I've never regretted it. And I have a feeling that if you um, decide to work with someone, to hire an editor, to hire um, an academic coach, to hire a therapist, because, you know, therapists cost money too. You um, are privileged now as a student that you probably have access to a therapist, maybe not as often as you'd like to, but at a low or no cost. But once you're out there, in the world outside of being a student, it can be very expensive to, to budget for a therapist. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting kind of off, um, off topic a little bit, but yes, going back to, to what I was saying earlier, each of those situations was really helpful. It was a worthwhile investment. They have shaped my own approach to coaching. When I saw what they did, how they did it, how helpful it was, uh, it just made me realize that I could do it too, that I could provide editing support, writing support, thanks to the foundation in writing that I received from my English literature and theater degrees. You know, I went from being the student who didn't know English, going into elementary school, really shy, didn't want to open my mouth because I was so embarrassed to speak in ESL um, classes to an English major, to a PhD in theater. And now, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident in my writing abilities. I'm not perfect, no one is, but um, I've learned a great deal from my experiences through my degrees and through the editing that I've done in the last couple of years. I actually started, you know, providing editing, um, academic editing, in 2016, right as I was wrapping up my PhD to help me kind of save up um, as I was in between jobs and to have a side hustle, again, just to, to keep the lights on. So I've been doing it for a little while now. And then also I realized, you know, through my work experience, I'm like, wow, I can provide project management um, consulting, consulting on organizational skills, thanks to my experience as a manager, thanks to my experience running an undergraduate research program, managing a fairly large budget. Um, I realized now I'm like, I can do life coaching too because of the numerous books and podcasts that I've been reading and listening to the last couple of years that have quite literally changed my life. I wouldn't be here living this intentional life, I wouldn't have the knowledge that I have um, uh, if it weren't for, the, for me investing time and energy in learning all those things. And um, all those things helped me to learn to be more bold and brave in my dreaming and my goal setting and in taking small, measurable steps to accomplishing those goals. So now, 
of course, I've been talking about coaching. And so I kind of want to toot my horn a little bit too, because um, I also want to let you know that I am currently accepting one-on-one clients. And I don't always um, open things up for me to work with new clients because sometimes I'm at capacity. There's only so many people you can help one-on-one in so many hours in a day. So there have been times that people have reached out to me because they're interested in my um, writing support or academic coaching. They need, they need my help in helping them like organize their files or they're you know, teaching them my system for organizing their, their emails or they just need a pep talk. They need someone to help them you know, with identifying kind of their gaps and hurdles and teaching them strategies, tools to, to overcome those hurdles. Some folks have reached out when I have been at capacity and I've unfortunately had to say that I'm not available and then refer them to other people. And I always, when I refer them to other folks, I do it with, you know, the intention of, of supporting them of like, oh, I hope that you get what you need. Here are some folks who are doing good work. I, have no problem with referring people to other folks because there's so many people out there, all of us trying to help you out. And I don't really believe in competition per se, because I feel like the right people will come to me at the right time. Um, And right now is a good time for me. Right now I am accepting new clients and um, I do have the capacity for that. And I want to tell you a little bit more in case you might be interested in working with me this year, or if you know someone who might be interested in working with me. So like I said earlier, I now consider myself um, an academic coach, not just a femtor. Um, And there's a great deal of knowledge and experience that I have that can help you with navigating your trajectory in applying to getting into navigating, graduating from your grad programs. So I'm fairly confident in my skills and abilities because of the um, kind of support I've been able to provide to students and clients for the last 11 years. And um, I wanna tell you a little bit about specifically the kind of support that I offer because I know I also need to update my website to be a little more clear. I have made some changes to be a little more, bit more clear about what I do. Um, but essentially there's like three areas of support that I myself specialize in or consider myself kind of, those are my strengths. Those are my areas of, of genius. Um, those are the things that I love to do and enjoy doing. So the first one is writing support and writing coaching. So I help people with their documents. So their grad application docs, fellowship applications, job applications. We do that over Zoom, review your writing together live. Um, And that's where I get to identify what you're doing well, your areas of improvement. And I give you the feedback live and even give you some suggestions for ways to kind of uh, address that feedback and, and work on your revisions. So writing support, is really common, popular way to work with me. That's the most common way to work with me because before, before this, you know, when I was just doing kind of academic coaching as a side hustle, the bulk of the work that I was doing was actually editing. So uh, developmental online editing. And that's what people needed support with. And I help folks with their dissertations, with um, their chat. I, you know, I even <laughs> help someone with 
um, doing the editing, the line editing and formatting of their entire dissertation. And that's when I realized, oof, an entire dissertation is kind of a lot. Uh, <laughs> so I no longer edit entire dissertations. Now uh, I mostly kind of focus and specialize in application docs. So fellowships, scholarships, grad apps, you name it, job apps, I, I focus on those. And then um, the second area, so writing support is area one, second area is organizational support. So I, I don't even have these as like, um, como se dice, as um, testimonials on my website. But if you know me, and some of you do, everybody and their mama says I'm the most organized person that they know. Um, I don't know. I just can't help myself. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo. Maybe it's because I'm type A. Maybe it's because of the trauma that I experienced as a child of immigrant parents <laughs> and the perfectionism that kind of I've had to overcome over the years. But I actually, it's, it's one of those things that comes naturally to me. I enjoy organizing. It's like almost like calming for me. Um, maybe I have control issues. Who knows? But if you need that kind of help and support, if you want some more organization in your life, if you want to maximize your efficiency, if you want to be more productive, not for the sake of, of doing more and burning yourself out, but for the sake of doing more and less time and having more time to enjoy yourself, then maybe you might want to work with me so that I can teach you some systems. So how do you set up um, standard operating procedures? How do you identify what you're good at, when the best time for you to work, what's the best um, setting for you to work in, um, how to best kind of organize your timeline, how to organize your agenda or your schedule, what tools to try out. There's so much out there. I love learning about it and I love kind of implementing them for myself and then um, offering some suggestions to clients based on their, their personalities, based on their, their ways of working. So. If you just need help with organizing your emails and you're, I don't know, struggling with anxiety with that, with email management or with your documents on your desktop or with your Google Drive or your OneDrive or your um, box or what you name it, that kind of stuff, second nature to me. I really enjoy it. So I'm happy to help you with that. And then the third side or the third um type of support that I provide is the mindset work. And that's the kind of work that I am doing kind of selfishly for myself. So for my own self-growth, I'm like reading all these books and listening to all these podcasts and learning a ton and wishing oh, that the younger me had known all these things, but you live and learn. And so for the mindset work, it's all about just strategies for managing or overcoming your imposter syndrome. What are the common limiting beliefs that are getting in the way of you? achieving your goals if you need a cheerleader of sorts if you need a pep talk if you need accountability if you need help with goal setting your goals are just too large or too small or focus too much on the short term or too much on the long term if you need a sounding board if you need someone to help you build your confidence up I am here for you I'm learning I'm learning all these things for myself I've been there I've been there. Trust me. I'm still kind of there in some way, shapes or form. You know, I, I'm very open and honest about sharing that I struggle with my mental health. I struggle with depression and anxiety. And even though I'm here living in beautiful, beautiful Portugal, um, I still struggle, but 
I use these tools, the tools that I've learned, I use them on myself and they have helped me so much. And that's why I do what I do and I share what I share. And that's why I have this podcast too, because I know some of y'all just don't have the capacity, the, 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 um, you may not have the time, you may not have the energy, you may not have the money to work with me one-on-one. And if that's the case, that's okay. Listen to the podcast, you know, check out the free resources. Um, this is here for you. So if you're interested, those are the things that I do. Go ahead and schedule a free consultation. I've got the link on my website. I've got the link on my show notes, gradschoolfemtrain.com backslash services for more info. I have my rates up on my website. I didn't have them up before, but I realized, hey, like I value transparency. I always have, I need to put them up. So I put that up on there. So you can take a look at it before you even book your consultation. Go ahead and take a look. Um, And if you, like I said, don't have the capacity, keep listening to the podcast. That's how you're supporting my work, my labor, my time. Thank you for being an active listener. And also I want to share kind of another way to work with me. Um, And that's a lower cost kind of option. That's through my Patreon. So it's, if you didn't know, I have a Patreon, you're going to start to notice some ads, <laughs> one ad per episode telling you about what my Patreon is, just to remind you if you want to support. Um, what is Patreon? You might be asking if you have not heard of it. It's a membership site that allows creators, writers, podcasters, educators, folks like me to get paid for what we do. And it will actually help offset the costs of producing the podcast because it's not free what we do. And um, if you want kind of to work with me in another level, um, the Patreon community actually allows you to engage with me through a private live community. Um, It's through Discord. So it's a live kind of chat community, very similar to Slack if you've used Slack before. Um, You can reach out to me there uh, for as often as you'd like, as little as you'd like. Um, You'll be able to suggest podcast topics, vote on future episodes. You'll get to get some behind the scenes info, like you'll get to decide who I interview. You'll find out who future guests will be. You'll receive special shout outs. Um, So every time someone signs up for um, to be a patron, I'm going to shout them out here on the podcast from here on out. Um, and then there's different levels. So there's um, monthly commitments. So it's $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month, um, whatever you are able to, to provide. You can find the link in my episode show notes. So if you want to learn more, what is Patreon? What kind of support um, is offered? Like what kind of benefits do you get? You want to kind of be able to support this show in a different way and that you're not quite able to do the one-on-one or you are not interested in the one-on-one coaching, check it out. It's there. You'll be hearing about it more (laughs) on the podcast. And so actually, this episode is supposed to be all about investing in yourself. So supporting the Patreon is actually a way to invest in yourself because one of the levels actually allows you to be part of monthly live Zoom networking hours, which I'm really excited to start doing from here on out. So again, more information there. But also, I want to leave you with three other ways that you can invest in yourself that won't cost you a thing at all. So here are three other ways to invest in yourself. 
The first is reading. And by reading, I mean reading for yourself, reading for fun, reading for your own growth. As um, an English major, I rarely felt like I had the time or energy to read for fun. I, I mean, <laughs> I had to read at least a book a week just to keep up with my classes. And it got worse in grad school. So I just didn't have that mental capacity to take on acquiring new knowledge. And because of that, honestly, I felt stuck. I didn't even get to learn basic life skills like for, for a while, like how to do my taxes, how to create a budget, how to save for an emergency, how to invest for your future, how to meditate, like just things that would have helped me with life. <laughs> I didn't get to learn those things right away because again, I didn't have the capacity to read and I, I didn't really value it as kind of a, an, an investment on myself to, to read for myself, to read for fun. But one thing you can do if you want to start doing that, and if you just think about it as like, oh, I'm just gonna like listen to an audiobook for 20 minutes a day, or I'm just gonna read you know, 10, 20 pages a day, you'll be surprised how many books you'll read by the end of the year. Um, and so how can you do that? Do it so that it's free of cost is by getting a library card. You know, I haven't always maximized the use of kind of library cards in the past, but what was a big game changer for me was finding out a few years ago that you could get access to free audiobooks through your library card. So Maybe it's new news, maybe it's old news for you, but um, if it is new news, get yourself a library card, sign up for their free audiobook apps. There's apps like Overdrive, Libby, and Hoopla. Those are some that I use to this day. And now, currently, actually, most of my reading that I do is via audiobooks. I had to get rid of so many books to move abroad because I couldn't possibly afford to ship them over here. And so most of the books are, that I'm reading are audiobooks, and I love it. I really, really do. Because I realized I'm like, mm, re reading for me as a farsighted person causes a lot of strain on my eyes. So I would always just be squinting and struggling and just dealing with kind of like tired eyes from reading. And audiobooks are, like I said, game changer. I can pop, th pop it on, listen to an audiobook with my headphones on while I'm doing chores, while I'm on public transit, because now I take the metro. <laughs> I don't have a car anymore. Um, or while going on walks, anything. I, I can be doing anything and listening to a book and acquiring knowledge. I love it. So reading for yourself is so key as a form of investing. Another thing you can do is, um, and this is something I'm actually going to try to do more of because I haven't done one in a while and I think I need to do it again, is complete a personality values and strengths assessment. Why? because um, this is gonna help you to identify what your strengths are and what your values are. So what are the things that you're good at? What are the things that you love to do? And it's gonna help you to figure out if you're on the right track, like, are you actually pursuing a career that matches your values and that maximizes your strengths? Because if you're not, I mean, why would you be pursuing a degree and a career only to then find out five, 10 years later, it's not really what you want to do and to have to switch careers. You can do that. Plenty of people do that. But I'm also happy to help you figure it out sooner, save you some time, <laughs> and say you're welcome. Um, and I, I'm just like, why, why are, is this not part of 
basic kind of high school curriculum. It might be for some, maybe some private schools that I didn't go to, but having um, access to these assessments uh, is really helpful. There are free ones. There are paid versions. When I'm talking about assess assessments, I'm thinking of examples like like Clifton, Colby, High Five. There's all these different ones. And another thing you can do is go to your career center if you're a student and see if they offer those assessments for free. Because like I said, some of them cost money. And you know, some of them are quick, 20 minutes, some of them might take an hour or two. But again, it's it's really, really valuable. It's really helpful to find out what your strengths are, to find out what careers match your strengths, to find out what your values are, and you know, make sure that you're on that that trajectory that matches your skills, your strengths, your assets, and your interests, what you what you love, what you enjoy to do. Okay, the third way to invest yourself that won't cost you any money, this is really, really important, is to surround yourself with people who motivate you. Um, I've heard this time and time again, that who you are, I don't even know what the quote is. I'm so terrible at memorizing quotes or sayings or details or any of that. But basically, like the people that you surround yourself have a very big impact on what you do on your career on you know the goals that you reach it's really really critical to surround yourself with people that motivate you that influence you that help you meet your goals and so as an example for me i have my chicana motherwork collective we have been together since 2014 and going on strong and they're my sounding board when things happen in life i know i have them i know that i get to see them every other week and we always check in, we check in personally, we check in professionally, we check in on stuff that we want to get done for the collective. It's really amazing to have that group there. They have influenced my life so much that have helped me feel seen and validated and affirmed just the way I am. So many times I felt like I didn't fit in and they helped me realize that I was great just the way I am. And I, it, it's been so helpful. So helpful. I love you all. If you're listening, I love you. Las quiero. Um, I also have a new, a relatively new other group, um, a woman of color support group. It's a group of um, black and brown women, mujeres, scholars, creatives. And we also meet every other week and we're helping each other carve out a life within and outside academia. Um, that is intentional and sustainable to take care of ourselves, to focus on our self-care, to focus on our craft. I always feel so uplifted and I can, I can breathe a sigh of relief after meeting with them. We actually recently had a vision board party. We all met up on Zoom. We're all on different um, time zones too. We got folks on Pacific time, East Coast time, and I'm on Lisbon time. Um, so um, it was like, I'm eight hours ahead of Pacific time, five hours ahead of Eastern time. And uh, in that vision board party, you had some really nice calming music. We brought our beverages and some of us worked on a physical vision board with, um, with magazines and scissors and cutouts and posters and others worked on digital 
uh, vision boards like myself. I created one on Canva. I'll, I'll actually share mine on social media soon because I, I just, I love creating vision boards. Life is not about, all about vision boards and sometimes you don't always meet your goals, but it's nice to have something to, to, to focus on, to look, up, uh, to look forward to. In fact, this year, I'm going to try to print it out. I don't have a printer yet, but I'm going to have to find a way to print it out. Find somewhere where I can print it out and put it in my office so that I can see it every day. And one thing I want to mention is that, you know, every year I have a word of the year. As I've been doing it the last couple of years. That's part of my vision board. And it has made a huge difference. Last year, it was abundance. And it made such a big life change for me to shift my mindset towards thinking abundantly rather than thinking about scarcity, rather than thinking about there not being enough, thinking what do I have more than enough of and focusing on those things made, made a huge, huge difference. Um, this year, my word is ease, is crafting a life of ease and intention and asking myself, how can this be easy? Yes, life is hard. Yes, we will struggle. Um, not all days will be happy, but um, there are ways that you can kind of simplify things or try to um, do things more intentionally, slow down. Um, I'm not trying to do a million things anymore like I used to. And like, like I said, work myself sick. I'm not doing that anymore. So anyway, going back to it, the third thing is surrounding yourself with people who motivate you so reading reading for yourself assessments doing doing one of the assessments to learn more about yourself and your strengths and um and then having having folks who are going to cheer you on who are going to believe in you who are going to motivate you inspire you challenge you you know, um, help you reach your goals. That is very, very important. Really, really huge in, uh, as a means of investing in yourself. Speaking of surrounding yourself with people who motivate and inspiring, who motivate and inspire you, I actually want to give a shout out to someone <laughs> so she knows it's a real shout out. So I actually mentioned her name. I want to give a shout out to one of my mentors, Dr. Miroslava Chavez Garcia. Um, I've shouted her out before, but didn't mention her name. And this time I'm shouting her out because, you know, someone is really cool when they continue to femtor you, even after you've left your job where they were your supervisor. I mean, come on now. I look up to her so much and, um, I'm actually really pleased and feel so privileged that, um, uh, we're actually going to be co-writing a book together which will be um, some sort of version of a grad school guide of sorts, where we'll share info about what we, she, we knew about grad school as first-gen Chicanas. Um, we're still trying to figure out the ins and outs of everything and come up with a timeline and a book proposal, but, and even though we're in the early stages, I am just so, so very excited. I've been wanting to work on a book and I think having the support of a femtor will make all the difference so when in doubt when you're struggling seek support and help from someone don't do it alone that's some you know a big thing that I've learned for myself anyway I have a lot of plans for this year and the years to come but again 
it's okay to take your time. I'm taking my time with reaching my goals. There really is no rush other than the rush that you create for yourself. And um, yeah, I just, I, I keep reminding myself and I hope that I, I remind you that it really is possible to achieve your biggest dreams, even if it takes time, even if you go at a slower pace than others. Um, you don't have to work yourself to death. You really, really don't. Um, okay, last thing, because I know I, I keep making it seem like I'm about to wrap up and then I don't. So my last thing that I wanted to mention is actually one quick personal update. So as you know, I'm now living in um, Porto, Portugal with my family, and it's a big lifestyle shift for me. And several friends, family, acquaintances have actually reached out. They've, you know, wanted to check in and chat and talk all about kind of what my life is like here. And they've asked if I'll be documenting or sharing my experiences abroad. And it almost feels selfish to keep it to myself because I'm like, dang, if, if I had a friend who was, I'd be, I'd also be all up on them asking like, so what's it like over there? And how do you like it? And take pictures. And so, <laughs> um, so actually I, I, I had a conversation with my husband and partner, Josh, and even with my son, Emmy, and I'm like, okay, so I'm thinking of starting this podcast and sharing a little bit more about us and our family and our life here. What do you all think? And they were up for it. They, you know, were interested and willing to, to support this project, to take part in it. And so what we have decided to do is start a podcast called Mixed Family Abroad or Mixed Fam Abroad. Uh, because we are a mixed family. I mean, we are racially, culturally, in many ways, mixed. We're a neurodivergent uh, or neurodiverse family. Got a lot of ways, even our, even our, um, our diets are very mixed. You know, I'm mostly plant-based. My husband's vegetarian or pescatarian. I shouldn't say vegetarian. Pescatarian. My kids eat it all. They eat. They're omnivores, so they eat a little bit of everything. So we're mixed in many, many ways. We're used to <laughs> dealing with the challenges of, of, of embracing difference. And so I think that's what's helping us and navigate all the many different changes and transitions here in a new country. But if you're curious, if you want to follow along, learn more about what we're up to and our adventures here, you can definitely do that by listening to the podcast Mixed Fam Abroad on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. And we're also on one social media platform on Instagram, same handle at Mixed Fam Abroad. And there we'll be sharing pictures, videos, reels, flyers for the podcast. So again, only if you're curious, <laughs> go ahead and follow us on IG and subscribe to our podcast. And that's it. That's, that's the episode for today. I hope that you found this topic of investing in yourself helpful. I, um, I'm still trying to get a hold of a few people so I can start interviewing folks for um, this upcoming year so you can have some other special guests. I always love interviewing folks. Actually, it makes my job easier <laughs> that I get to listen and enjoy being in their company. So I've got some folks lined up that I'm going to be reaching out to for the podcast um, to come in as guests. And um, if you have any suggestions or if you want to come on the podcast, don't be shy. Reach out to me, grasgofemtoring at gmail.com. 
I'll be happy to have you on. All right, y'all. I'll talk to y'all later. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femme Drawing Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtouring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.